0: So that's my son, Landon, and man, can he eat an apple, all right? That's pretty legit. So you've just seen, once again, two weeks in a row now, we've shown you the core of an apple. And at the core, you find its inmost place, and you find really what it's all about at its gut level, this foundational level. And we started this series last week talking about how every single one of us has this foundational place. Deep inside of us, we all have this core, we have this place deep inside of us where we find really important things. If you missed the message last week, I really encourage you to check out our website and, and listen to Core Part 1. Because I'm going to do my best to try to catch you up a little bit tonight, but we laid a lot of foundation last week that you may have missed. So we encourage you to check that out. But but here's what we're talking about. In this place, inside of every single one of us, we find our core values and our core behaviors. We find what really we value, and out of those values we find what drives our behavior. And so our core values, we said, are what we believe matters most. And you have this deep inside you. It's, for some of us, it's good things we believe and value. For some of us, it, it's really bad things that we value, okay? And then we said our behaviors, our core behaviors come out, and, and the core behaviors are what we do in response to what we value, okay? And so you have these values deep inside, and they're constantly driving how you and I behave, So what you value then pushes you to behave in a certain way. The simplest way to say it is that we value certain things so we behave in certain ways. And it's true of all of us, true of every single one of us. i just give you an example of this kind of at a ridiculous level, okay? The iPhone 6 came out this past week, right? Now, six days before the announcement was made that there might be an iPhone, right? You know, I mean, the media starts saying, hey, we think on this day they're gonna announce or whatever. Six days before that ever even happened, there were people in New York City already waiting online for the phone that had not been announced yet. 19 days before the phone would actually come out. We have these people sitting online at the Apple Store. They waited for 19 days in those chairs. They slept out there, they ate out there. They showered at a nearby YMCA. I mean, these guys were going for it, OK? Now I want to introduce you to this first couple, They are the first two people in line, and this is Jason Ray and his wife named Moon. OK? Now let's talk about that for a second, okay? Because <laughs> If I'm hanging out with my buddy, Jason Ray, and he comes up to me and says, Hey, I want to introduce you to my new girlfriend. Her name is Moon. I got to take him aside and be like, Bro, she's only interested in you because she'll get to say for the rest of her life her name is Moon Ray, right? Run. She's using you. She's been doing this her whole life. Every guy she thinks might be kind of cute, she asks him if their last name is Ray first before she goes on a date with him, okay? So anyway, that's out of the way. But Jason and Moon Ray, they were... Uh, flown here actually by a company to be first in line. And they were paid to sit in those chairs for those 19 days. And every time they were interviewed, they were supposed to bring up this company that flew them there to raise awareness about what was going on with the specific company. And uh, they were paid. They were told that when they get in the store, they can pick out whatever iPhone they want, and the company will buy it for them. They've been given food by this company. If you look behind the chairs here, we have a shot of all their gear, suitcases, air mattresses, sleeping bags. Who's crazy enough to sleep in Manhattan night after night for 19 nights? Right? That's insane. Sanity. but here they are and here's what they did and at the end of it all they got to go in and they got to get their uh, you know finally get their phones and come out and it's just interesting to me that here are some people that value some certain things they value money clearly right uh, I think they value attention I think they kind of like being you know interviewed and put all over the news and everything and they obviously uh, value an iPhone and, and in that case this is this extreme over-the-top case their values drove their behavior And it's kind of at a crazy level. And we said last week, the same is true for every single one of us. Our values, what we find deep in our core, what we're about, then drives our behavior. And so if you love music, if you value it deep inside you, man, then you you listen to it all the time or you practice it all the time or you talk about it all the time. If you love sports, the same is true of you. It drives your behavior. You play it, you watch it, you spend money going to games. and, And it's just true, no matter what you value, then your behavior follows. And our church works the same way. You see, we have values deep inside of us as a church. And our values drive our behavior. And so what we've been saying is, man, we gotta be really careful what we value, right? We have to be very intentional about what we value because if my behavior is linked to what I value, then man, I better be valuing the right things. And what we said last week is this, and and I hope this is really clear. I'm gonna do my best to make this super clear for you. But here's the way this works. Right values lead to right behaviors, which like we said last week, lead to right roads. Right values lead to right behaviors, which lead to the right roads, the roads we wanna be on. Well, well, why do we wanna be on right roads? Because there are certain roads in our lives that are blessable by God. Like there are certain roads that you and I walk and God is looking at us on that road going, I am blessing what you're on here. It doesn't mean everything's gonna go perfect, there's not gonna be some hardship, but watch me bless you as you walk down this road. Now let me be super clear. I'm not saying our behavior saves us, okay? Jesus on the cross, what we sang about tonight, his death, his resurrection is what saves us. Your behavior and my behavior does not drive God's love for us doesn't drive whether he's gonna pour out his mercy and grace on our lives. In fact, you've experienced this if you're a follower of Jesus, he even takes the times we screw up really bad and we behave in a terrible way, and even though there may be some consequences and some things we gotta work through, he ultimately uses even that junk for our good, doesn't he? But I don't know about you, I wanna be on this blessable road. Jesus himself said this. He said, blessed are those who hear God's word and obey it, blessed so I want you to be on a blessable road, and I want our church to be on a blessable road. We said last week that these core values and behaviors that keep us on this road, they kind of act like a guardrail. And as you and I start to veer off to the side, God uses these guardrails to bring us back. So what we did was, as a staff, we sat down and we said, "All right, what do we want to be the core values and behaviors for our church? And then beyond that, it's not just about our church, it's about every single one of you. Because we think that these core values and behaviors matter for you on a daily basis, a day in, day out type of thing. And so last week we talked about our first and most important core value, and that's Christ-centeredness. And again, I'm not going to get all into that again. uh, We we really drove that home last week, so we'd love for you to check out the podcast if you missed it. But tonight I want to share with you our second core value and behavior and why it's so important. So our second core value is this. We value the Holy Spirit's leading and power. We value the Holy Spirit's leading in power. And so how do we behave because of that? We behave like this. We make plenty of room to seek the Holy Spirit and wait on Him. Now when I say that, some of you guys go, oh, okay, so you're one of those churches, right? You're one of those Holy Spirit churches. Gotcha, right? Now here's the thing. It's really sad that the Holy Spirit has that reputation. It's really sad that that's what people think of when they think of the Holy Spirit. When I think of the Holy Spirit, I just think about being uncomfortable. I just think about things that weird me out. Right? It's so sad. That's what we think of when we think of the word spirit or the, or the words Holy Spirit. Because the truth is, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is incredible. And, and here, please hear this. The Holy Spirit produces things and does things that you and I could never, ever produce or do. And so no, we're not a Holy Spirit church. But yes, we're a Holy Spirit church. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and man, we miss out on so much when we decide to unplug from the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's leading, and when we stop relying on the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? I'll just name a few things the Holy Spirit does that you and I can't do. Holy Spirit creates peace in our lives. You ever tried to create peace? I don't know about you. usually just makes things worse. usually gives me less peace. When I'm trying to control a situation and make peace, usually does the exact opposite. How about self-control? All right, I'm gonna nail this this time. I got this. No, I'm back right where I was before when I rely on my own power. You know what else the Holy Spirit does? He leads us into truth. He helps people see their need for a savior. He helps us see the path that God might have for us. He brings wisdom. He brings knowledge. He does miracles. He heals people. He frees people from change they can't get out of themselves. Those are all things I want. And so, man, yeah, we, we need to value the Holy Spirit's leading and power. Let me tell you why this is so important for us as a church and then why it's so important for you and I as individuals. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to talk with you in this as well. As a church, if we stop valuing the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to rely on ourselves and everything about the church will fall apart. Everything that God is doing, everything he's using, anything you like about this church anything you feel is helping you grow closer to Jesus will just simply, simply stop. It just won't work because we'll be relying on ourselves and my messages can save no one. Some of you are like, Oh, I have heard you, Doug, I know, right? But no, I know my messages can't save anybody. Our band is great. They're phenomenal. I'll listen to them all day. But apart from the Holy Spirit using them, nothing's gonna happen in your heart or mine. That's true of our, our entire church and all of our different ministries. See, we so desperately need the Holy Spirit's leading and power. Let me kind of give you some examples of, of uh, just some different things that I've seen and heard that, that just helped this ring so true. There was a missionary from another country who was visiting America. And some pastors took him around to different churches, the different successful churches in America. And he was. Tr- they were trying to impress the missionary. And say, wow, can you see this? Aren't you impressed with all America's doing for God and how great we are and all this, right? And so at the end of the tour, the uh, the pastor said to the missionary, you know, what'd you think? I mean, what'd you think of these huge, amazing churches? And the missionary said something I'll never forget. He said, it's amazing what Americans can do without God. What he was saying was, you guys can build some great big buildings, and you guys can have some real awesome bands and some really cool speakers, but I don't see much of the Holy Spirit. I don't see much of God doing anything at all. I'll tell you what, I learned this the hard way. You to ask my buddy Joey. He was our youth pastor. Now he was one of the original six kids that was here when I came thirteen years ago to be the youth pastor at the Green Room, and he remembers all this. He can verify it for you later. But what happened was, I came and I expected. All right, week one we have six kids. Week two we're gonna have fifty week three will be a hundred. You just watch because I'm the man. I got this. And I had all my fun games and I had my loud music and that's all it took, man. We were going to change the world with loud music and terrible games. And that was going to be that, right? And so that was my strategy. And so Joey remembers this. He was like seventh grader, skinniest dude I ever met in my whole life. Now he can beat me up so I'm not going to say anything else. But, but so, so there we were with our six kids and we tried stuff like this. Man, you guys know the ginger ale banana challenge? You guys ever tried this? Come on. Some of you guys are young. Some of you guys are in college. You've done this. You will now, right? After you hear what it is so supposedly or apparently the body cannot handle ginger ale being drank and bananas being eaten at the same time you cannot keep it down so this is one of our games that we did at the green room I don't know why we didn't grow I'm still trying to figure that out right kids throwing up everywhere come on grow what's wrong about your friends what's wrong right uh the, the first week I was here the first week I was here I got some buddies of mine from my old church I said hey let's make a video we're going to crack these kids up man. let's make a video so we went up on the church roof with our video camera and we, the joke of the, the whole video was this that we had a bungee jumping business and uh, that we had gotten our first customer in and that when we went to throw him off the roof the rope was too long Okay, and so I had my buddy up on the edge and, and we filmed it so it looked like I released him and then we panned to a different shot where we threw a dummy off the roof and then when he smashed his helmet broke the whole thing was perfect it was wonderful brilliant and he smashed on the ground and Then we, we, we zoomed back in and my buddy's laying there and uh, he's got gravelly spitting out of his mouth and the whole deal. And these six kids are just staring there in horror because they <laughs> thought it was real. They thought we threw a real guy off the roof. And if I hadn't been married to the pastor's daughter, he would have thrown me off a roof, right? <laughs> he, he could not believe what we were trying to pull off. So I'll tell you what, for, for years we tried and we tried and we tried. And then there was this one night, it was the turning point, And it was such a beautiful thing. It was when we decided that we weren't going to be a youth group about stupid games, but we were going to be a youth group that really went after God, that really expected the Holy Spirit could show up and do things in our lives that were real. And you know what, guys? If I'm being completely real with you, I was 23, I didn't know if it was going to work. I, didn't, I had no clue if the Holy Spirit was going to show up. But we tried it anyway. And so week after week, the six kids and my wife and I and a couple of leaders would just cry out to God, just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and do something real? And that was the turning point because when kids started to experience God, when the Holy Spirit started to do things in their lives that Doug's stupid games and messages didn't do, everything changed and they began inviting their friends and their friends would experience God. And that was such a turning point for us as a church and really for me on a whole philosophy of ministry. Going from, man, what I thought I could pull off to realizing we desperately need the Holy Spirit. We desperately need God. And what about on an individual level? Well, here's why this is so important for you on an individual level. And I just want this to be so practical for you. Because this matters for you in huge ways. Have you ever read the Bible and thought to yourself, why don't I see the kind of cool stuff I see in the Bible in my life? Like, why do these guys get to see miracles and healings? Why, why do they get to see all this cool stuff? I'll tell you, that there's several reasons. I don't have time to get into a bunch, but I'll tell you one reason why. It's because we don't value the Holy Spirit's leading in power like they did. I believe that with all my heart. The people in Scripture, if you read these stories, these were people who valued the Holy Spirit's leading in power on levels we just don't. Six months ago here at Collision, I did a series called Plugged In. And I want to use that term again. I want to remind us of that concept. It's a different message, different spin on it. But I just want to bring back that idea. I think valuing the Holy Spirit, His power, His leading, is all about being plugged in and connected. What do I mean by that? You see, I think the the people in Scripture, the men and women in Scripture that you see that God used in huge, huge ways they were just connected and plugged into the Holy Spirit like you and I aren't. They were God conscious. They were constantly realigning their lives with what the Holy Spirit was doing rather than going, all right, Holy Spirit, come bless what I'm doing. They were constantly checking back in. They were constantly trying to say, okay, God, lead me. Holy Spirit, direct me. Holy Spirit, show up, heal, save, deliver, free, rescue. They constantly had this relationship going. They constantly had this conversation alive. And I think so often, if you're anything like me, what I do, and I struggle with this, is I'll have a good time with God, but then, like we talked about six months ago in that series, I I unplug. I stop valuing the Spirit's leading and power in my life. I I just kind of go my own way, and I do my own thing, and I unplug, and I kind of turn the God switch off for the rest of the day, and I kind of just go ahead and do my own thing. Long time ago, If you've been around for a while, you may remember this. I talked about how we took my son, Cade, who's just a little guy, to McDonald's. And uh, we we wanted to be able to play, eat some really healthy food. And so we got him in there and uh, we got him Happy Meal. And uh, we brought him into the play area. And as he was in there, he's got his stupid little one cent toy that he thinks is the coolest thing in the whole world. And he's playing with it. He's got it on the slides. And it falls and it goes under all the equipment there. underneath the slides and all that fun stuff. And so I was like, all right, I am gonna be super dad and I'm gonna get in there. And I just squeezed my body in under the slides and all the stuff and it was just out of reach. So I pushed it just a little bit further and I grabbed the toy and I raised it in victory and then I realized I was stuck. (laughs) And my wife, my loving wife, our, our women's ministry leader, the godly woman that she is, she just right there at McDonald's without any shame began to pray for me and pray. No, she laughed. She laughed in my face. She was like, you're stuck, right? And so she goes, oh, Doug, give me the toy. And like an idiot, I hand her the toy and I realize I'm going to die here. She's got everything she needs, right? She just got the toy. She's got my son. Go take the life insurance. She's going to get a yacht and that's it, right? But the reason I tell you that story is because I think it represents what we do so often with God. It's like We go to God for our our little toy. We're okay as long as he stays in his compartment and he stays in his box and he stays in his space. Holy Spirit, I'm coming to you now. This is me time. I need you. Would you help me? Where's my handout? And we get the handout and we walk away. No, 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 Holy Spirit, you stay there now. And we go and we live the rest of our day on our own strength. We go and live the rest of our day unplugged, disconnected. And then we wonder why this Christianity thing boring. We wonder why we aren't seeing God show up more. We wonder why we don't look like the people in the Bible looked. And so tonight, I just want us to look at a few verses that I hope will really change that. I hope that we will really start to see what it could look like, how exciting it could be. Because when we unplug from God our church services, our youth group, our children's ministries, it's all going to fall apart on a church level. When we unplug from God as individuals, man, our marriages start to get a little less fun, a, a little bit more friction, huh? Right, when the Holy Spirit's not producing that love that only he can in my heart. My relationship with my kids changes because I'm just acting out of, out of anger and exhaustion instead of self-control and kindness and gentleness that the Holy Spirit produces in me. The dog that plugs in and the dog that is unplugged look very different. And so what if we decided, okay, By the Spirit's power, we're going to start valuing you again. We're going to start plugging in and staying connected. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I think one of the reasons you might have never wanted to be a Christian is because you've just thought to yourself, why would I want that? It just seems so boring. I know some Christians. They don't seem all that great. They don't seem like they have anything all that different about them. But what if what God is doing is actually inviting you into this exciting moment-by-moment relationship with him? Like I said earlier, that Jesus died for you, his love is unconditional for you, and now he wants a relationship with you where he's leading you moment by moment through your day. If you're a Christian, I want to be real clear on this too. I am not trying to scold us tonight and say, what a bunch of, what a mess we are. What What a bunch of boring Christians. What's wrong with us? No, no. I'm trying to say, God's inviting us into something really awesome. God is giving us, giving us an opportunity to join him and what he's up to. And it's in those moments that God will use us in ways we will never forget. And we're going to share some of that tonight. And so we're going to look at a guy named Paul here. And Paul was a follower of Jesus. Jesus did some huge things in his life. And he is an amazing example of what it looks like to stay plugged in and stay connected and value the Holy Spirit's leading and power. So look at this, Acts 16, verse six. Paul and Silas, Silas was his friend, went through the regions of Persia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit kept them from speaking the word in the province of Asia. Not about you, but that's a verse I just kind of read and go, all right, let's go to the next verse, right? I mean, but man, we would miss something if we did that. You see what it says? The Holy Spirit kept them from going to Asia, so they went to these other places. What does that tell you? That tells me that they were plugged in to know that. They were connected. God was leading them. God was showing them, okay, I'm up to something, and I have a story I'm trying to write for you here, and I'm going to do some really cool things for you and through you if you'll only stay connected to me. And so they knew that the Holy Spirit was up to something, and it's because they stayed God conscious. If it's like, you know, you and I, we kind of have our our isolated time with God, and then we go out, and, you know, if it's me, I'm just thinking, who cares where I tell people about Jesus as long as I'm telling them about Jesus? But here, the Holy Spirit's up to something really specific we're going to see, and he's saying, no, 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 don't go there. Go here. Let me lead you. Stay plugged in and connected. Let me show you what I'm up to. And nothing against Asia. If you keep reading the story later, they go to Asia, and God does some really big things there. But the next part says in verse seven, they went to the province of Mysia and tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow this. Here it is again. So they passed by Mysia and went to the city of Troas. So here's Paul and Silas again. They're going, hey, we just want to tell people about Jesus. What does it matter where we go, right? I mean, let's just go here. And the Holy Spirit goes, no, no, no. And they try again to go somewhere else. The Holy Spirit goes, no, no, no. Just, just let me lead you. Let me direct you. Follow me. Stay God conscious. Stay plugged in. Then verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia. The man urged Paul, come to Macedonia to help us. So I'm 36. I've been a pastor a long time, a Christian a longer time, and I've never had a vision. But this is a very different time, too. Not to say that God still doesn't want to do visions. But just think about it for a second. I mean, in today's world, The guy in Macedonia could have just tweeted at Paul and said, come to Macedonia and help us, hashtag road trip, hashtag see you soon, right? (laughs) I mean, no reason that couldn't have happened. But here we got a little bit of a different communications thing going on. So God gives Paul a vision, and he has this interesting response that I think, again, you and I just kind of miss out on. So let's look at his response. As soon as Paul had seen the vision, we'd immediately look for a way to go to Macedonia we concluded that God had called us to tell the people of Macedonia about the good news. Again, you see Paul plugged in. You see him connected. Because if if it's me, you know, and God gave me a vision a few nights ago to go to Macedonia, I'm going, oh God, come on, man. We got plans this weekend, you know. Jeter's last home game's coming out. I mean, come on. You know, you can't expect me to go miss this and miss that. And I'm kind of tired. It's been a long week. And Paul's just like, no, man. Holy Spirit led. The Holy Spirit spoke. Let's go. Let's go. He stays plugged in. He stays god Conscious. Now we have to think about this for a second. Just like technology wasn't the same for communication, it also wasn't the same when it came to travel. And so these guys, not like they just jumped on a jet, head over to Macedonia. These guys jumped on a boat and sat, and then on another boat and sat, and on another boat and sat, and city after city after city. And so you have to imagine that these days feel just like the days you and I experience ordinary. Are we going where we're supposed to be going? What's God up to? Paul, you sure you saw a vision, bro? You sure, right? You didn't see something funky. You sure you, you saw that, right? That was God speaking. Yeah, man, I'm sure. All right, let's just keep going then. Let's keep traveling. And then look what happens. Verse 13, on the day of worship, we went out of the city to a place along the river where we thought Jewish people gathered for prayer. We sat down and began talking to the women who had gathered there. And a woman named Lydia was present. She was a convert to Judaism from the city of Thyatira and sold purple dye for a living. And right here, we see the connection between Paul valuing the Spirit's leading in power and the amazing thing God does. Look at what it says here. Again, a verse we could so easily miss. Look what it says. She was listening. This woman, Lydia, was listening because the Lord made her willing to pay attention to what Paul said. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody about Jesus and they just aren't listening? They just don't care. It's kind of like me right now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you, you ever have those conversations, right? And, and you're going, why isn't anyone listening? Why aren't they getting this? Why? I, I mean, I've told you a thousand times, Jesus loved for you, and you still come back at me with this complaint or that objection. Or, and then have you ever had a conversation with somebody and it's almost like you're looking at them with your jaw dropped, like, are you seriously putting your faith in Jesus right now? Like, that was so easy. Aren't you going to argue with me? Like, what's wrong here? And so Paul has this conversation. He's preaching to all these women. And here's this woman, Lydia, and the only reason she heard a word he had to say was because the Holy Spirit made her willing to listen. Does it sound to you like God this entire time had this woman, Lydia, on his heart? And so he goes, Paul, no, no, not Asia now. No, 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 not, not Bithynia. No, 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 no. I got something else for you. See, I got this thing going on in Macedonia, in Philippi. and Man, there's somebody you need to talk to because I'm working on their heart right now. You see, I think that if Paul and Silas had gone to Asia when the Holy Spirit said no, they could have preached the same message, but no one would have heard it, if you know what I mean. But because they stayed plugged in and they stayed God conscious and they stayed aware and they valued his leading and power. They ended up talking to a woman who was ready to hear because the Holy Spirit was there and that's what he was up to at that specific moment. And Paul and Silas got to be a part of what happened. I think sometimes we miss out on seeing God do great things because we're in Asia when we should be in Philippi, if you know what I mean. We're just unplugged. It's not even that we're necessarily doing these horrible, sinful things. We're just unplugged we're just disconnected we're just not tuned in to what god is doing in the moment verse 15 shows us it's not just about about Lydia it starts with Lydia but it goes further it says when Lydia and her family were baptized she invited us to stay at her home this means Lydia's family put their faith in Jesus too and so we see this thing growing and if you keep reading the chapter you find out that god did many other things in this area and that later Paul gathers with a bunch of Christians at Lydia's house And so man, God was up to something in that specific area at that specific time and he led Paul and Silas right there and this woman, her family and people in her surrounding area put their faith in Jesus because Paul and Silas refused to unplug. And you know what? Paul and Silas were pretty amazing guys but really it's not about them. It's about the spirit that was in them. It's about the spirit that was leading and empowering them, the same spirit that's in you. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is placed in your life. And there's different times the Holy Spirit will work in new ways in your life and will even intensify in power in your life. But no matter where you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's in you. And he's wanting to do these same things in your life. And so what I want you guys to walk out of here tonight, and then we'll talk a little bit about just what this looks like. I want you guys to just understand that the Spirit will do amazing things as we stay plugged into him. The spirit will do amazing things in your life and in my life as we stay plugged in to him and we stop unplugging and we stop looking away. And so would you stay plugged in? What does this look like? Well, let's talk about what it looks like as a church. As a church, we wanna make sure we value the Holy Spirit's leading empowerment. I learned my lesson 13 years ago when everything was going wrong and then we began to seek the Holy Spirit and everything changed. And here's what I know, the guy, Andrew, who led worship tonight, our youth pastor, Joey, my wife, Kelly, Pastor Pavone, and myself, we all are prayers. We are prayers. We are people that love to pray and seek God. I know that these guys on their own time are praying when they're, you know, getting messages ready, when they're getting ready for a counseling appointment, when they're planning trips and worship sets, when we're going into practices, we're praying, we're seeking the Holy Spirit. We have to because we know that the messages and the worship sets and everything else will fall apart and be completely ineffective if we don't. Um, Every Wednesday at our full-time staff meeting, we meet in the morning and the first thing we do is pray and just seek God for an extended period of time. We seek the Holy Spirit. We so value his leading and power in our lives. Uh, For years, several of us have been going out on what we call a prayer drive every Friday and we jump in my car and we drive all over Long Island and we pray that God would show up and change Long Island. We drive all over the place, and we pray for the businesses we pass and the houses we pass and the people driving by, and most of the time I keep my eyes open as I drive, but, uh, but we pray as we go, and we just say, God, would you do huge, amazing things on this island? And there are hundreds of thousands of people that need Jesus, and so we know it's not about living word in this church. We know it's going to be an island-wide thing if God does something really powerful, and so we're praying for that. Um, Pockets of our staff get together to pray just at random times sometimes throughout the week and just seek the Holy Spirit. We pray before every single service, green room here. We pray uh, before our Sunday morning and night services and just pray for you guys. We get our team together, our volunteers that are there already and we pray and we cry out to God to do great things. Here in our services, we have our prayer time. We have a time where you can stay right in your seat and you can pray. You can come up and receive prayer at the front. We've had church growth experts tell us to stop doing that. No. We're going we're to keep doing that. We want to value the Holy Spirit's leading in power. You, What you need more than anything else is for God to show up in your life tonight. Anything else. More than a message. More than a cool song you needed. More than, you know, seeing somebody and getting to know somebody better. You need the Holy Spirit to move in your life. And so we're going to keep that as a part of our service. Um, our women's prayer happens every other Thursday. Praying. Deeper. The women pray together. Community groups, we're praying together. Our homeless ministry goes out. They're praying together before that. And so we really want the Spirit's leading and power. Now, what about you as individuals? See, I think some of you guys are a little stressed about this because I know a lot of you and I know how busy you are. And I'm guessing you're going, Doug, I would love to seek the Holy Spirit. I would love to make that room, make that time, but I don't have any more time. Well, first of all, I would say I think we need to make some room for what's most important and seek the Holy Spirit. But along with that, hear me on this, this is super important. I think that we need to begin, like I've been saying this whole time, to more and more learn how to stay plugged in throughout our day. So you're still going about your same day with your same busyness, but you're God conscious through it. You're led by His Spirit through it. That's what I love about this story of Paul and Silas. They're not just sitting around in a room praying. No, they're on boats and they're going from city to city, and they're, but they're staying God conscious. They're staying focused. Some of you guys have heard me say this before. I had a professor at NIAC, and he used to say that he would probably pray 230 second prayers every day. What an amazing thing. The guy would just stay God conscious. He was the kind of guy that was always happy, always joyful. You just wanted to punch him sometimes, be like, dude, have a bad day, bro. I mean, but, but he just always had a smile on his face. And why? Because the Holy Spirit was at work in his life he was staying God conscious and he was staying connected there's a woman named Amy Carmichael and Amy Carmichael was a missionary but it was a lot like Paul's story in her life and she kind of bounced around I don't have the time to tell you the whole story but she bounced around between different nations because she got sick and father passed away at a young age and all these things were going wrong in her life but she just stayed God conscious and she continued to say all right no matter what's going on in my life no matter what disappointments I have I'm just going to continue to look to the Holy Spirit and let him lead me. And so she ended up in India. And when she got to India, she began to rescue kids out of prostitution. She began to care for people that couldn't care for themselves. She built homes for boys, homes for girls, eventually a hospital. And she gave 55 years of her life to this nation. And she always just seemed to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, I can't do that. Like I, You tell me to go build a home in India, tell me to build a home here, I'd be in trouble, right? But I mean, I just that's not me. And You know what, I don't think it was Amy Carmichael either. I think it was the Holy Spirit through her. And she said something really powerful I want you to see. She said this, if you refuse to be hurried and pressed, which is, sounds like every one of us, if you stay your soul on God, what does that mean? It means if you plug in, if you stay God conscious, if you stay connected, Nothing can keep you from the clearness of Spirit, which is life and peace. And listen, in that stillness, you'll know what his will is. You see, I think some of us here tonight feel a little funny about being led by the Holy Spirit and all this stuff because we don't know when God's leading us or when it's just us. And I completely understand that struggle. But what Amy Carmichael is helping us out here with is she's helping us understand that when we plug in and we stay our soul on God and we stay God conscious more and more, We're going to know exactly when it's him. We're going to know over time, okay, now he's leading me. Now he's directing me. And this is what he's up to right now. I just want to share a closing story with you guys. It's so powerful. And some of you guys have heard the beginning of this story, but you haven't heard a little later in the story. Some of you guys will know um, the beginning of this because uh, I've talked about it for years because it's such a powerful thing. And I just think it illustrates this so well. But you don't know what, what God's still doing with it. It's so cool. Um, I was asked to speak at True North Community Church a bunch of months ago, and I, I told this story, and that's going to be relevant in just a second, but it's a story about my friend named Evans. And, and my buddy Evans in college uh, was driving through Nyack Town up there where we went to school, and um, he was crying and broken because his girlfriend had just broken up with him, broken his heart, and he was like just full-on despair mode, and he's crying out to God, and he says to God, God, if you're real, I need to know. And as soon as he said that, a cop turned his lights on and pulled my buddy over. And the cop got out and said to my buddy Evans, are you okay? He goes, why? He goes, well, I saw you crying. He's like, oh, he pulled me over for crying. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> is that going on in your official police report? My friends are not going to know about this, right? And so he pulls him over and he, and he says all this. And my buddy Evans says, you know, thanks, man, but yeah, I'm good. And before the cop walks away, true story, don't email me, don't ask me if this is true later. Right now I'm telling you, full on true. The cop looks my buddy Evans in the face and says, all right, I'll take off, but before I go, I want you to know that God is real. Now, awesome story, amazing, life-changing, but it really all comes back to one guy staying plugged in, that policeman. He woke up just like you did today. Thought it was a normal day. Went to his office, you know, clocked in, probably filled out some paperwork, jumped in his car, and just felt a little nudge the Holy Spirit. I said, hey man, pull that guy over. Wait, 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 do what? (laughs) Tell him I'm real. Wait, wait, this is crazy. But he did it. Changed my friend's life. Has been changing people's lives ever since. In fact, the reason I brought up that I spoke at True North was because after I told that story there a few months ago, I got off the stage and, and immediately this this 19, 20 year old girl came up to me and she said, I have to tell you what just happened? Okay, and she's like, she's like crying. Like, Did I do something wrong? And you know, I'll just apologize in advance. Said, no, no, no. Here's what happened. See, I had applied to a college, and I was really excited about going. I really thought God was in it, and he had it for me to go, but recently I've had a ton of financial struggle, and I felt like I can't afford to go, and so on my way here this morning, I was praying, God, if you want me to go to this college, I need you to make it super clear. Like, just blow me away. Make it so clear that I'm still supposed to go there. And she says, you know, the college I applied to was Nyack College. And you got up on the stage and you started talking about how you went to Niagara College and hear this whole thing happen. What are the chances that I would come to church and the exact college I'm worried about going to would be spoken about from the stage that day by some guest speaker I don't even know. About a week later, I got a letter in the mail. And the letter said, I heard you at True North a few weeks ago and You told that story about your friend Evans, and I was blown away how that cop just told him that guy was real. And I just want you to know that I went home that night dealing with a lot. My marriage is falling apart. I've been coming to terms with abuse I suffered as a kid, been having all kinds of financial problems. It just feels like everything's been falling apart. But I heard the message. I went out for a walk that night. And as I was walking through my neighborhood, the neighborhood I've walked a billion times before, I looked at a driveway and written in chalk on the driveway It said, God is real. She said, I had to run back to my house to get a camera to take a picture, make sure I wasn't crazy. And she actually sent me several pictures of this driveway saying, God is real. Now, why do I tell you all this? I tell you all this because here we are, probably, I don't even know how many years, 16 years later, 16 years after this cop said, I'm going to follow the Spirit's leading. Even as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to do what God's telling me to do that story's still changing people's lives. God's still using that, and he's still doing new things based off of that one man's act of obedience. And you know what's crazy? The guy probably doesn't even know that it made an impact on my friend, much less hundreds of others. I just think about the potential if you and I would simply refuse to unplug, if we would say, no, 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 I'm gonna keep listening and when the Holy Spirit leads me, as I, as I stay my soul on God, I learn what it is when he's leading me, I'm gonna respond. And I tell you, I think the sky is the limit. I think the sky's the limit for you individually and the sky is the limit for our church as a whole. Can you imagine the things God would do if you and I would learn to live our lives plugged in? I wanna ask you guys to reach under your seats and under your seats, just grab... This outlet plug. If you were in the, here for the Plugged In series, you got an outlet plug about six months ago. I want you to take this new one. A few people actually have them. Blaze has the old one in his pocket. I can't believe it. Probably hasn't washed his pants since then. But No, I'm kidding. No, but that's just so legit that you still carry that thing around, man. That's incredible, bro. And here's what I want you to do. I want this to annoy the life out of you, okay? I want you to carry it around with you for at least a week. Or be like Blaze and go forever. But at least a week, Okay? I want you to carry this around, and every time it pricks your leg, every time you reach into your purse and it stabs you, every time you see it, I think Dave Jacafe has it set up on something that he sees a lot. Just let it remind you, just like this plugs in, that you would say, Okay, I'm just gonna plug back in. This may be a 30 second prayer. I used to think the 30 second prayers didn't count, but I've really grown to learn I think they're the most important ones. Because if you and I can begin praying, even even just 10 30-second prayers. Then, then 20, if we can just increase our connection with God and stay plugged in, I think we'll see such amazing things happen in our lives. Because the truth is, guys, the Spirit will do amazing things as we stay plugged into Him. Let's pray. So God, we just come to you tonight really wanting for you to show up in our lives, Holy Spirit, really wanting to be used by you, Holy Spirit, wanting you know, that that boring Christian thing to just be shaken right off us and and the excitement and the life that comes when we live a life plugged in and connected to you. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here and you are God and you are at work in our lives. We thank you that you're a life-changing God. We thank you you show up. We thank you that you direct us, that you convict us, that you... Um, produce things like love and peace and self-control, which we just can't, that you save, that you heal, that you do miracles, that you speak words of knowledge and wisdom, and that you are an amazing, amazing God. It's the Holy Spirit, we just come together and we together repent for ignoring you, for unplugging from you, from trying to do it ourselves. And I just pray tonight, God, that we would just turn a new corner and we'd begin to live our lives connected, God conscious, plugged in, valuing the leading and power of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, would you you plug in right now? Would you connect? Would you even expect that the Holy Spirit would do some things in you tonight? Why else are we here? Not here to hear me. Not here to see a great band. You're here to connect with God. Would you expect that even as we sing these closing songs, that the Holy Spirit would do something new and fresh in your life through the prayer time? that God would do something amazing. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to encourage you to put your trust in him tonight. See, this is what we get invited into. This amazing love relationship with with Jesus. And, And the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives. And I understand all of the negative connotations the idea the Holy Spirit brings, you know, the ridiculous things you've seen on YouTube and in movies and all the crazy stuff But man, it doesn't have to be like that. I I honestly don't think it should be like that. I see the Holy Spirit lovingly pursuing you tonight and wanting to come into your life and mine and do some amazing new things. And so if you want to put your faith in Jesus, I'd encourage you to pray something like this, just silently. Jesus, thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you it's not based on my behavior. Thank you that Jesus took my place on the cross and he rose again. And now, would you teach me, Holy Spirit, to plug in? Would you teach me what it looks like to have a moment-by-moment, vibrant, life-giving relationship with you? In your name I pray, amen.